Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild Card Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Monday, July 26th. I'm your host, Jason Moser. And on today's financial show, we're diving into the world of real estate. To do that, we're going to none other than our lead advisor of Million Acres, Mr. Matt Argersinger. Matty, it's been a while. How's everything going? As JMO, um, things are things are good. Things are good. Good to hear. Good to hear. Well, uh, Matt, let's just jump right into this because real estate has been a hot button topic here over the last year. Uh, twenty twenty really seemed to create a unique environment for real estate investors, and that has uh, really, I think, bled into twenty twenty one. And it seems like this is something that's going to be around for a while. You know, I noticed. On your Twitter feed, several weeks back, you tweeted out a link to an article where Blackstone President John Gray was talking more about the opportunities he sees in real estate. Now, now Mr. Gray is—he's got a reputation. He's—he's he's, he's quite a quite a uh, uh, good real estate investor, right? You had Certainly some takeaways. Is. You had some interesting takeaways from this um, article that spoke to the state of of real estate today. What were some of those takeaways? Sure. Well, I think everyone today. When they think about real estate, they immediately think about the housing market and how it just seems, you know, starting kind of like you said, kind of 2020 and really going into 2021, we're just in this really unprecedented, historically hot market uh, for 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 home buying, and it's really just pick a market, and it seems, you know. House prices are way up. They're they're not lasting on the market very long. In fact, I, I saw a statistic the other day that fifty percent of the houses that were listed that were listed this year in the U.S. have sold in less than a week. I believe and that's that. ac- across the country. So yeah. imagine that. So the inventory levels are extremely low in every market. Demand is huge, and of course. You start, you know, you and I as investors, but a lot of people, I'm sure, are thinking about back to 2005, six. You know, what is this looking like? Is this looking like another housing bubble? I mean, after all, it feels like it rhymes. (laughs) It does. I mean, and and, you know, if you looked at home prices, I think the latest data in May they were up 23 percent year over year for existing home prices. I mean, that's that's a huge year over year gain. But it's different, and I think one of the points John Gray was making in that in that article, he's a smart guy. Is you know, sure, it feels a little bit like 2005 to 2007, but you know, it's it's not actually a bubble yet, at least. You know, it could certainly blow into one. But if you think about today versus back then, the demand is real out there. I mean, they're just you know people that are desperate to get into homes. They they're at the right age. You know, the millennial generation, even the Gen X generation, is sort of. In those peak home buying years, and they're and they're you know they're desperate to to be become homeowners and stop stop being renters. So the demand is real, but but what what you have today is a real almost supply shock, because we spent the last decade or so underbuilding homes uh, to the tune of several hundred thousand homes a year. So you could almost make the argument that there should be five million, if not more, homes in existence today than there there otherwise would be. But there wasn't because we underbuilt homes for so many years, and so. There's just a real lack of supply, and of course now, um, recently at least, we we're talking about construction costs are high, so it's expensive to build homes, it's expensive to renovate homes. People are staying in place because of that, and so that just adds sort of exacerbates the supply problem. So I think I look at today and I see a real demand supply issue rather than you know a bubble that we saw, gosh, 15 years ago now. 
but and, uh, one of the other differences too is that if you look at the the credit standards, I don't know if you've refinanced a home lately. <laughs> we did, yeah, we did recently, and and I tell you, we had to jump through a lot of hu- a lot of hoops for two people with full time jobs we've held for a while, and and really, I I, I would say excellent credit. Uh, I, I was I was surprised at how much work we had to do just to get. Yeah, that it's a lot hard. Same thing. My wife and I went through refinancing last fall, and it was it was pretty arduous. It was <laughs> yeah. it took months. I, I feel like I signed over a thousand documents in my life uh, to get you know this home refinanced. And same thing. I felt like we have pretty good credit, so you can just imagine how tight this, the lending standards are out there. And then you know homeowner balance sheets are in good shape too. There's a lot of spending and power, a lot of savings, and so it doesn't feel to me at least like the bubble of 2005, 6 or 7 that led into of course the great recession this crisis that we had, you know, 15 years ago. It feels a lot less like that um, than it did back then. So, let me ask you when you say you said earlier that the demand is real. In the way I hear that, what the way the way that that translates to me is you, that that's different than what perhaps we saw years ago. Really it was very speculative, right? So you're thinking that what's going on right now, this is people who are looking for homes to live in as as maybe not as much on the speculation side is that right yeah exactly i think if you go back back to the old the old housing bubble you, you had a lot yeah you had speculators you had home flippers you had people with very low credit buying multiple houses you know it, it, there was just a lot more speculation going on you you don't see that as much today you do see a lot of cash buying and you you do see a lot of institutional buying of rentals um that's a little bit you know that's that's sort of in the headlines as well but no, this is this is to me this is real demand. The, the the data that I'm seeing is you have people who are you know moving to cities, moving to places, especially places like Texas and Florida, other top destinations. They want to they want to live in a home, and and because of the, because of the pandemic, also people are also flocking to single family homes versus your traditional condos or apartments, and so that also is creating um, a huge demand uh, that that is not of course being met by uh, the supply. So you noted Texas and Florida, very understandable, uh, and, and that's certainly something we've seen throughout the headlines there. Another thing we saw throughout the headlines, it certainly was a, a major theme, I would say, in 2020, but I'm not so sure. I feel like it was maybe a little bit knee-jerk, what, but what is this, uh, what is the state of, of the major real estate markets, the major markets like New York City, San Francisco, places like that that have historically held up, uh, have have you know, had valuations that are that are <laughs> absurd yeah. to some, maybe. Um, but but I mean, ha- is that exodus really materializing? Because it doesn't feel like it is. No, I think that's been way way over exaggerated as well. You know, you you read headlines: oh, people are leaving, you know, flocking away from San Francisco, leaving leaving New York City, leaving Los Angeles, and you know, heading to you know, everyone's moving to Austin, Texas, it seems, or you know, Miami, Florida. It, you know, there is a certain extent to that. I mean, there there is. Certainly, a net migration going on in a lot of southern states, sunbelt states, but places like New York, San Francisco, they're always going to have um, a lot of demand, especially from you know younger people, younger workers who want to live in really dynamic markets with you know all the amenities and all the culture and you know entertainment and educational opportunities that those cities have. And so, I I I think that's way overdone. I mean, I think there probably might be a little stagnation and maybe maybe. Home prices or apartment prices in those markets have to come down a little bit, but that's okay. I think the there's going to be no problem there in the long term. I think that's been um, over exaggerated. Now, what what is interesting though is you you will look at things like U-Haul data, which puts out some interesting reports about where people are moving, and and oh, yeah. there is no doubt there is no doubt that 
the southern states, Texas, Southwest, uh, you know, Arizona, there's definitely a magnet for for people to move there. And and part of it is, you know, there are, there are attractive job opportunities. Taxes are lower. Home home prices are lower, so it's cheaper there, you know, to live there. Definitely reasons why people are moving there, and will probably continue to move there. But uh, don't don't sell places like New York, San Francisco, Boston, or or Washington D.C. Even where you and I live, it, don't sell them short because that, these are still pretty big destinations as well. Yeah, I, I just I tell you, living up here in North Virginia, I can tell you, real estate has held its own up here. It's done okay. Oh, it, it um, sure has. <laughs> man, oh man. What about uh, uh, frequent listeners to the show know that we talk a lot about REITs, real estate investment trusts. Um, how, what is what is how do you feel about real estate investment trusts today? I mean, is that is that an opportunity out there for investors today, or is that something that's still uh, more uncertainty than is than is worth uh, taking a chance on? No, I mean, I thought I thought coming into 2021, I, I thought I was really enthusiastic about REITs, and you know, if you looked at coming into 2021, REITs had kind of underperformed for the last five years. And that's just unusual. I mean, you know, REITs have historically been really great performers, held their own against the stock market, um, you know, with very much less risk, I'd say, than your average stock. And the fact that they had underperformed so much, and then, you know, especially late 2020, you looked at some of the valuations in the REIT market and, uh, you know, either on the retail side or hospitality side, but office as well. It's just there were a lot of quote, bargains I, I saw in the REIT space. And so, I thought, um, I think I even tweeted this you know, coming into the year that I thought REITs or real estate, the real estate sector of the stock market was going to be a top performer. And it certainly has been, uh, at least through this sort of first half of the year. It's, it's you know, if you look at the uh, the Vanguard real estate ETF, VNQ, uh, last I checked, it was up 25%, I think, year to date, which is outperforming the, the rest of the market. But I, I still think there's plenty of opportunities in REITs. Um, I, th- I think they they're well overdue to have some nice outperformance. You know, you get great dividend yields. You you got a situation where uh, in 2020 a lot of REITs sort of either you know they either pause their dividend or cut their dividend. Uh, they're they're bringing those back, and you know rent collections are coming back on the office side, and you know on the on the apartment side, you know. It, the, there was concerns about higher vacancies or you know, people not paying rent because of eviction moratoriums. That those things are kind of being phased out, and so a lot of the income that was lost by REITs in 2020 is coming back in 2021 with a vengeance. Uh, you know, especially if you look at the industrial or data center side, they oh, never yeah. fell off in 2020, and they're just doing even better <laughs> in 2021. So there, across the board, I think with REITs, you can find a lot of opportunities um, even today going forward. Let's talk a little bit about the dilemma with office real estate, because this has been a conversation that's been going on now for the better part of 14, 16 months as, as uh, the, the, the nature of the workforce continues to evolve. Um, for all of the certainty, I would say we see in residential, it feels like it feels like commercial is just the polar opposite. Um how, how do you feel like, I mean, this work from home trend, I mean, it, it feels like most companies um, are going back to work and they're incorporating the the hybrid models, right? Which is, you know, you've got an office you can work at. When you need to work at home, you can work at home. But they're trying to trying to go with that hybrid model, which has been so successful for so long. And it, and it does afford some freedom there. But how, how big do you think that trend is going to be? And how does that play out on the, uh, the commercial market? Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Jason. It's That is probably the model. I think the hybrid model where you know employers are more flexible employees embrace 
you know, more flexible scheduling. You know, you have an office destination where maybe you go a few days a week, but you can also do some work at home or in other destinations. That, that I think, is the, the, going to be the predominant model. Now, there is concern there, though, right? So let's say, let's assume that's the model. Then what does that mean for office demand? Because, you know, there's millions and millions of square feet of office that's empty right now um, that, you know, that are leased by companies with the intention of, well, their employees going to, they're eventually going to come back to these offices, right? Well, not so much, you know, not, certainly probably not on a 100% basis. And so what does that mean for the demand for office? I, I have some serious concerns. I mean, I think, um, I don't think it's completely one-sided where the work from home trend just takes over and most corporations are letting, you know, 90% of their <laughs> their office workers, you know, do whatever they want, work full-time from home or, you know, just come in for one day a week. And I think it's, it's, it's definitely not that, but it's also not the where, you know, People, you have people like uh, you know um, Jamie Dimon from uh, J.P. Morgan saying, oh, "I want everyone back." Or you know, that, <laughs> yeah. that's not that's probably not the model either. So right. it's definitely somewhere in between, just like you laid out. Um, my question is, and I'm I'm still trying to figure out, and I, and I hope there are smarter people than me that can that have the answer. I'd love to know. But what is what is what is the ultimate effect? Because I think you can look at the office REITs or, you know, office real estate opportunities. And you can see some really great opportunities. I mean, you're talking class A property in places like New York City or San Francisco, the two cities we talked about or other places. And you're saying to yourself, wow, I mean, that's some really incredible, unique, you know, one of a kind real estate, but wait, our, our employee, you know, employees going to come back to that? Um, or are there different things that can be done with that office real estate? Can it be converted into apartments, which is also happening? Um, there are so many questions about that, it, and it makes you it makes you want to be interested in office, but also just want to stand back and say, I, I need to let this marinate, so to speak, for like the next six to nine months, and really get us past this pandemic. Hopefully, this Delta variant, you know, is not as, of course, severe as as the as the overall pandemic was last year. But you know, once we get past all that, what what is what's left? And so that's that's the big question. I, I think office is one of those ones where you, you just kind of stand back and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes I think that makes sense. Um, so traditionally, of course, real estate it's been seen. I think by most people, it's been an investment available for the few. I mean, there's there are just plenty of plenty of sort of barriers to entry. I mean, you needed all sorts of capital to really be able to participate in in, in investing in real estate. And and as time has gone on, I mean, that has really changed. We've seen more and more vehicles uh, come to market that open up the windows of opportunity for investors to jump in on real estate uh, investments, whether that's crowdsourcing, uh, whatever it may be. But but we're also seeing, I mean, clearly in the public markets, there are all sorts of opportunities. And I mean, hey, listen, at the end of the day, we're we're stock investors, right? I mean, I you know, I, I know you're working at Million Acres and Mogul and all that great stuff, but I know in your heart, <laughs> Maddie, I know you're a stock guy. We work together long enough. Um, you know my soul. You know it. You've seen it. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> what? What? I, I. I wonder. What are some of the interesting? What? Do you, what are some of the opportunities in the stock market today that you see for investors? Because I mean, some you look at home builders or home supply companies, right? You're looking at something like a Home Depot and think, well, that's going to be a way to participate. But I mean, there are all sorts of different options for for investors interested in the real estate space today. Uh, to take place in the public markets, what stocks have you have you got your eye on these days? Sure. Well, let you know. Let's let's stick with REITs because I I I do think there are some great opportunities, and it's, it's where I spend a lot of my time these days. And so I, I think there are three in particular that stand out to me as they've they've had really great 2021s, but I I see 
plenty of opportunity ahead for each of these. And let's so the first one is Invitation Homes. Uh, the ticker is INVH. I'm sure it's something that Matt Frankel, your your partner in crime, has talked about before. But <laughs> there 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 is a a groundswell of demand for single family rentals um, on the retail side, on the institutional side, and the market is so fragmented. Still, I, there's something like 17 million. Uh, single-family rentals in the United States, and and most are are you know managed by you know idiot landlords like me, <laughs> you know my <laughs> wife and I. We have you know we have a few rental properties, and you've had rental properties in the past, and yeah, yeah. Um, that is really the, that's ninety nine percent of the market. But the institutionalization of it is is just sort of nascent, just sort of getting on. And Invitation Homes is the first publicly traded quote SFR REIT that's really gained scale in the market. And, and I just feel like they have so much upside. Um, operationally, they're so efficient. And each new, what's exciting to me is if you look at their business over the years, um, each new property that they add to their portfolio is incrementally more profitable to the company. And, and I love when companies can scale like that. And so I look at Invitation Homes, they've got 80,000 single family rentals in their portfolio. That could easily go to Two, three hundred thousand, you know, five hundred thousand, and what's what that's going to do is it's going to five or six x their their net operating income over the over the coming years, I think. So that's that's my that's my first opportunity when in the residential space would be invitation homes. My next one is East Group Properties. Uh, the ticker is EGP. That that one might be less familiar to your listeners, but uh, industrial is. A fantastic place to be investing. I'm sure you guys have talked about it, but just you know, the rise of e-commerce, especially since the pandemic, and the need for warehouse space, more fulfillment space, especially in places like the Sun Belt, where East Group tends to concentrate. 60% of their income, I think, is derived from uh, Texas and Florida, where you know, huge population increases. People are moving there. They're going to be doing shopping more online, especially the uh, you know the people supposedly fleeing from San Francisco, New York. You know, they're going to go down there, <laughs> yeah. order things online, order fresh food, and you know, and, and take out and things like that. And then you need a supply chain and the logistics and the warehouses and the cold storage to do that. And that's Easter Properties right there. Um, the last one is probably one definitely a lot of your listeners have not heard of. But if you want to play office. Um, here would be my way to do it. It's called Easterly Government Properties. The ticker, it's a really appropriate ticker. It's DEA. <laughs> and the reason <laughs> is they are um, 99% of their properties are federally leased properties. So oh. um, the DEA is, is one of their big tenants, FBI, FDA, the Veterans Affairs, um, basically your alphabet soup of government agencies. Um, so they their focus is on federal federal government buildings. Uh, you know, obviously. Uncle Sam doesn't really default on his lease. He's always going to pay his rent. So, you know, you've got a really, yeah, you've got a, you know, (laughs) steady, uh, you know, steady tenant base, of course, uh, AAA. Um, And what I love is they, they, Easter League focuses on what they call mission critical agencies. So they're not, you know, they're not just going after any government agency who needs office space or a building. Um, They're really focused on, you know, DHS, FBI, you know, where these agencies need Real estate. They can't work from home. You know, they have to have places to go uh, to do things like, uh, you know, forensics labs or investigative work and um, or tr- treatment like a, at, a, at a VA hospital. You know, that's it's all essential mission mission critical work. And so that's where Easterly Government Properties focuses on. They have a great uh, their dividend yield is almost five percent. This is probably the sleepiest REIT I know. I mean, it's not going to. It's definitely not going to be a multi bagger, but it's one of those ones where you could probably earn a nice high single digit return and sleep well. At night, and it's a nice way to play office if you if you want to do that. 
I love it. Yeah, I mean, I've not, I have not heard of that one. I mean, certainly living up in this area, you and I know the the presence of the federal government, and 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 I mean, yeah, you said it, mission critical. I mean, so much of that stuff, it's you know, th- those aren't folks that are working from home. They, that's 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 not an option, and um, that's going to be very reliable. And so, yeah, there's that little bit of a trade off there, and it's it's almost as reliable <laughs> as the sun coming up. So you kind of you're not going to get the same return, but you are going to be able to sleep at night, and, and it sounds like it could hold a a nice spot in a in a well diversified portfolio. How come how come Matt you know Matt Franklin you you work with Matt all the time? How come Matt's not bringing that to the show? Hey, you know I mean <laughs> Franklin's a genius, but not, even he misses some good ones here now. So <laughs> well, well, speaking of working with Matt and in speaking of of everything that you've been going, uh, everything you've been doing there with with Million Acres. I mean, it wasn't that long ago when you and I were actually talking about. The build out of Million Acres. I mean, I think we did uh, a show on it right when you got things going. It was you're building our real estate business here at the Motley Fool from the ground up, and you know I knew when you started they had the right guy for the job because I know your enthusiasm for for the real estate space and and to see what you built up with this service has really really just been fun to watch because you have so much to offer now it's not just million acres i mean you got mogul you got real estate winners all sorts of stuff um remind us remind our listeners talk let's talk just a little bit about the services that you have going on with million acres today what you guys are doing there and and anything in particular that that really has your your attention Sure. Well, thanks for those those kind words. Yeah, it's been um, definitely been a labor of love over the last roughly two and a half, three years now. But we have um, so we have millionacres.com, which is you know a free site. It's very much like fool.com. You can go there if you're interested in reading investing articles on real estate or or home renovation articles. It really covers the gamut of real estate. It's all free, and there's even a great um, ebook that we have there that you can you can get. It's I think it's like 50 pages. It kind of introduces you to real estate investing. It's a great resource. Um, so we have millionacres.com, but then yeah, we've got three now three premium services that uh, you know members can subscribe to if they'd like. It's uh, Mogul, which is uh, the one we we first started with, and that. That is uh, that recommends publicly, you know, publicly traded real estate stocks and securities, but it also um, recommends private commercial crowdfunded deals. And so, uh, you know, if you're if you're an accredited investor and you're interested in investing in private real estate directly, that's um, we have, you know, we got you covered in Mogul. Then we've got Real Estate Winners, which is on the sort of opposite spectrum. I like to call it the stock advisor of real estate, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's. I work directly with Matt Frankel, your your partner on that one, and we 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 come out with one new recom- at least one new recommendation per month in the public markets, either REIT or real estate stock. Um, and it's off to a great start. It's 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 coming up on its one year anniversary in September. And then just recently, we we launched Real Estate Trailblazers. I don't I don't work directly on it, but it's uh, another service that we have under the Million Acres umbrella, where it's really about the marriage of technology and real estate. You know, some of the big trends that we're seeing, whether it's e-commerce, like we talked about, or like Sunbelt migration, um, just some of the big big trends in real estate. What are the companies that are sort of driving those those big trends and leading them? Um, that's what you'll find in Real Estate Trailblazers, and so. Which we like to see. We like to say we got people covered, you know, when it comes to real estate investing. But I'm sure there's, you know, there's always more ideas and more things to do in, in real estate. It's a massive asset class, and um, I'm I'm excited that we were able to sort of bring it into the Motley Fool a few years ago, and I hope it really uh, continues to grow. Yeah, well, it sounds like it's been a very positive response uh, thus far, and uh, you know, I mean, I certainly understand it. I mean, if you've 
owned real estate, if you own a home, I mean, you you see the doors that that opens up for you. And um, I mean, there has just been so much wealth created in the real estate market here over the past uh, several years. It's it's uh, it's something we definitely need to get out there on our investors' radars more and more. And, and you guys are doing a wonderful job at that there. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for taking the time this week to join us and uh, give us the lowdown here on real estate, because, you know, this is, this is an opportunity that uh, we don't get to talk a whole heck of a lot about, but we do like covering it on this show and really to dig in with you. Today was a lot of fun, so thanks. All right. Thanks, Jason. Well, it, it was a great pleasure and uh, always happy to be on. Well, you can always learn more about what we're doing here uh, in regard to real estate by just going to millionacres.com. That can just uh, launch you to all of those different services Maddie was talking about there. Uh, and hey, listen, follow Maddie on Twitter at M Argersinger. That's M A R G E R S I N G E R. M Argersinger. He's always got great real estate uh, real estate tweets going on out there. You learn a lot from him. Uh, and remember, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at of Industry Focus, or you can drop us an email at industryfocus at fool.com. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Thanks, as always, to Tim Sparks for putting the show together for us. For Matty Argersinger, I'm Jason Moser. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.